Hello and welcome to the next episode of The Podcast, a cannabis podcast for budding enthusiasts. You're joined as always by your boy Heavy Days here from the Upside Down Library. And as always, this episode could not happen without the amazing support of our sponsors. Seeds here now, number one seed bank in the game. Guarantee on satisfaction, not just germination. Why grow anything else? You might be unhappy at the end. You go to Seeds here now, they promise you'll be stoked at the end. They only stock quality breeders, and if you're not, hit them up. They'll sort you out with some new seeds. What more could you ask for? Well, you got to make sure you get the crop right first, and to do that, you should go check out Coppet Biological Systems. With the largest range of predator mites and other natural enemies in the game, be sure to check out their new Spidex Vital, a predator mite with proof of predation color changing system where the Persimilis mites will change from white to red after they've eaten spider mites so you can be sure they're doing their job. Likewise, make sure to go check out our new sponsor, Promix. They've got a fantastic new product called Promix Connect, which is a mycorrhizal inoculant that'll help ensure you have a robust harvest. Are you after increased yield, increased resin, density, and all the things that make your crop stand out from the rest? Make sure to check out Promix Mycorrhiza via, make sure to check out Promix Connect, your number one mycorrhizal product in the game. And last but not least, we would not be able to do this without all the fantastic sponsors over at the Patreon game. If you would like to help ensure that future episodes continue to happen, please go check out www.patreon.com forward slash the podcast. You'll get exclusive access to unheard interviews, bonus content, giveaways, and so, so, so much more. Please go check it out. On this episode, we are extremely lucky to be joined by one of the land race legends of the scene, Doobie of Ace Genetics. Here to give us the rundown on all the different land race hybrids he's working on, origins of different genetic lines, the culture in Europe, and so, so, so much more. We are so excited for this one. So without further delay, let's get into it. So, hello and welcome to the next episode of the podcast. We are very lucky today as we are joined by one of the land race legends and preservers of our scene, Doobie of Ace Genetics. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you very much. Happy days. It's a pleasure to have you here at the podcast and to be with all your audience. I really appreciate this opportunity. And yes, as I told you, my English is not the best, but I hope you... I hope make me feel understand and I hope you enjoy the conversation. Thank you very much. Uh, you are very humble. Don't worry, your English is great and I'm sure people are still going to enjoy it because you've been one of our most requested guests we've had for a while. How does it feel to be so popular? Um, yes, uh, I never expected that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that's, uh, that's really touching to know. Thank you. Not a problem. So the first guest we've been asking people, sorry, the first question we've been asking our guests lately is, what are you currently smoking on? At the moment, uh, I have some new Caledonia boots here. I have uh, some CBD one. I have some Moroccan hash. 
I have some a bit of Indica, Airport Cross PCK, and a few more. No, I have Chinese, Cali China, and yeah, a few other sativas, yes. <laughs> wow, that's a really nice selection you have there. Can you tell us a little bit about the New Caledonian? That sounds very rare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, a new sativa line that we worked on last year and it has been released this year. It came from a grower uh, through an interchange, a swap of genetics we, I did with him. Uh, he was a very established grower there in New Caledonia. And he was interested also in our sativa, so we did an interchange. He sent me a lot of seeds from, from the island, the sativas he grew there. Um, yeah, I think we did the seed swap around 2012, and only at this time I, I consider the seeds were getting too old, so it was time to germinate them and explore a bit the genetics. Um, knowing that we work with land race with sativas, he sent me a lot of seeds to work them and, and to refine the line and spread the genetics. Honestly, I didn't know what to expect uh, at the beginning. Um, Certainly was something really new. I don't know how we will link with other genetics I'm more familiar with. And yes, we grew like last year, like uh, we still like 100 plants of the New Caledonia from, I have like three different seed lots, uh, two with more seeds. The, uh, it was the seed lot A and the seed lot B. We took like 50 seeds from each um, and grew all of them together indoors and yes initially the the grew like woof, like really tropical sativas um, very slow to reach uh, the sexual maturity to sow sex uh, indoors they grew really big very, very big growth and yes I, I was thinking that uh, we had something really really tropical on, on hands when we switched, switched them to flower, they also took their sweet time to, to really start to flower. So yeah, yeah, they were indeed really tropical or, or at least subtropical, yes, because New Caledonia is around 20 in the South Hemisphere latitude and is not really very close to the equator, but it's subtropical. Um, <clears throat> and yes, the, once the plants start to to flower, yeah, it was really tropical. It, it, it took their sweet time to, to flower. Uh, we found like maybe a third plant, uh, uh, like a, a third part of the population was uh, hermaphrodite. So yes, the, um, this is very typical when you when you explore new land races, uh, especially sativa land races from the tropics. Uh, it's quite common to find a lot of hermes in the first P1 generation. And yeah, we, we eliminate their the hermaphrodites. We saw some plants adapting better to, to end up growing, reacting better. So start to form resins, uh, sowing terpenes also. So we had the chance to start to evaluate which one uh, were more promising. Uh, we clone, uh, when we started to eliminate the hermaphrodites, we start to clone all, all the rest of the plants that were sexually stable. Uh, like it was, like it's quite common also with tropical sativas, is that usually the the, sati, the the female to male ratio is very high. Uh, that means that you find maybe 78% of females 
and the rest only males and within this tool also a lot of Hermes. In this case, a third part. So yes, uh, at the end we remove like half of the plants after eliminate the Hermes and plants that after many, 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 many weeks didn't respond, didn't do anything or, or comparing with others were lacking of resin after pins. So yeah, at the end we, we came out like with 30 plus really nice females and five sexually firm males. And then we open pollinate the, um, the, with the fine males, all the females. At the same time, as I told you, we, we had all uh, clones from all these more, more promising females in the mother room or uh, backup copies. Um, yes, and then the, the, the reproduction was a success. Uh, we pollinated all the more than 30 females that were sexually firm. The males were, were sexually firm too. And, and then uh, when they finished the, the reproduction, they ripe. I was able to evaluate better which one were more resinous and with better terpenes, although they were seeded. So the most promising ones, uh, I, I brought clones to auto-growing to do a sinsemilla cycle. Uh, that means without pollination. To, to evaluate properly the flower without seeds outdoors, which is, I feel that this strain uh, express itself better outdoors than, than indoors, at least in this initial generation. So yes, it, it was surprising because we moved the clones a bit late in August, uh, which is a bit late for planting, even for tropical sativas, but they catch up very, very fast. The small clones grow up almost like two, two meters. And, and around late October, they were already finishing. Uh, yeah, maybe they will need one, two weeks more, but they, they reacted outdoors much faster and better than indoors, yes. Uh, and, and at that time, when, when they were, were starting to ripe, my God, uh, I, I was really excited because I started to smell like incredible, refined, tutti-frutti aromas. The, the, um, the resins were very good. Uh, no army signs in the plants we we were testing outdoors, so our selections were in the right direction uh, regarding regarding quality too. So yes, at the end we we end up with evaluating like eight females, the most promising females from the seed reproduction. We evaluate them outdoors without seeds. Then we start to smoke them. We brought them to the lab for cannabinoid and terpen analysis. I already did some genetic analysis uh, a few years back. So yes, with all the smoking tests, the smoking, the growing experience, the seed reproduction, yeah, we decided we, we were extremely uh, excited about this new genetics. When we I, when I started to smoke it, I was, wow, it, it has been so long that I don't feel this quality of high in a sativa. Like, you smoke it and everything becomes super clean, vivid. Uh, you, you feel like the, the colors more intense, um, but not with distortion, like everything more alive. The, the sound also, you, you, you can hear even the farthest sound super strong. Then you feel like a big energy growing up from, from inside, like you become creative, connected with your surroundings. Uh, you, you feel uplifted, motivated, your psyche is well-focused. It's a very, very good quality high, very, very good. Um, 
to be honest about the origins of the genetics, I think is not so linked directly with uh, uh, a land race. I, I would say uh, the finished product has quite uh, tight qualities in the smoke, like uh, especially in the taste, is a sour lime lemony taste that is quite common on, on Thai land races. And uh, the effect is quite tie-like, very clear up. But the flower structure uh, is more, a bit more like uh, Mexican or uh, like American sativa. It's not so loosey like the ties. The ties usually have a very loosey flower structure, very fox style, not not dense. A real pure tie is never dense. But this one makes uh, quite quite. Quite dense buds for 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 a pure sativa traits, uh, flowering structures that I have seen more in certain Mexicans or even more modern Colombians. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, my feeling is some, somewhat like a take uh, like a Thai American sativa mix. If that makes sense to the audience uh, regarding the finished product, and it's very interesting line we have released this year. And we cannot wait to, to hear the opinion of the growers and sativa lovers uh, about this new line. Yeah. Wow, what an incredibly comprehensive and detailed answer. I'm, I'm very excited to ask you some more questions. I think this is going to be a great interview. I'd love to know, you mentioned kind of how you went about weeding out the hermaphrodites at first and sort of stabilizing the line. When you get a land race line from seed, do you find that you have to selectively breed out the hermaphrodisms or it just over generations naturally stabilizes? Yeah, well, mm, yes, usually um, it, it depends how domesticated is the land race. But yes, usually, uh, for example, if you get seeds from a land race that has been refined and tamed, but very properly by a grower, like taking very well care of the gene pool and all the individuals involved in every generation. In this, in these cases, which are very rare, uh, you can expect lower hermaphrodite uh, rates in, in in these cases in these land races. But most of the times, the land races are grown. Uh, uh, in mass field, like many plants every generation, whether it's in Afghanistan, Pakistan, or India, or in Morocco, or in Colombia. Uh, they grow many, many, many plants. And not, not all the farmers, not all the traditional farmers uh, are very diligent uh, or, or very efficient to remove, to fully remove their maphrodite traits in in the, in the in their population. That is, for example, because usually in, in has plant population, uh, they don't mind, uh, all the plants are fully seeded, whether it's in Morocco or Lebanese or Afghanistan or, or Pakistan, the, the, the plants get completely fully seeded. Uh, so they're not, not very worried. Most of the times that they select, uh, they choose a good males that are sexually firm. But sometimes uh, some uh, male hermaphrodites can escape, uh, can escape, sorry, uh, and they can also pollinate. So yeah, big populations land race like this usually 
have in some in given plants uh, the, some hermaphrodite gene uh, traits somewhere. Uh, in some land races it will be more evident, in, in others not. But yet most of the times when, when we receive the, uh, the P1 generation, the P1 generation is, I refer to the, the first generation seeds collected in situ in the place of origin of the land race, okay? Well, um, usually when, when I start to work with the P1 land race generation, it's very typical that I find a lot of hermaphrodites and it's very common that I need to clean uh, a lot the the land race in this first generation. Some land race are, tend to be more, other lesser, and also most land race are outdoor genetics, obviously. So when you bring them to indoor for to evaluate them, to to select them and and all this, the outdoor genetics that have been grown for many many generations, centuries outdoors. They don't really like the indoor, suddenly, like you put them indoor with artificial light, like so stable photo periods, they, they are not used to it, so they they very easily show uh, more hermaphrodite tries that they will do outdoors in, in their place of origin. So, but it's a good thing because you force the, the gem pool you are, of the land race you are working with to, to, to show any problem, any problem indoors, any kind of bad indoor adaptability, uh, um, any army tendency, you can detect them much easier indoors. And yes, uh, I try to remove all the hermaphrodite plants from from the first generation. Uh, only if I don't have enough you know, plants to work with, I will reproduce using maybe one slightly army, but it, it has never been the case. Usually, if I have enough plants, I, re I remove all the army and then focus only in the sexually stable uh, I have. Yeah, great. Thank you so much for that answer. I noticed that when you were talking about all the different things you were smoking at the moment, you mentioned Erdipert, or however you pronounce it. It's a, it's a very interesting strain. I think I read online that it was sort of worked on in uh, Sweden, maybe, and that it has like a strawberry flavor. Can you tell us what you know about the backstory? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I know of it. It's, it's a quite interesting story. In, uh, in the, the airport is uh, an herber, uh, which in German means strawberry. It, it, it was a, a, an, Afghani, an Afghani clone that was very widely grown in Switzerland. Uh, almost 20 years ago in, in Switzerland, they have like a, they have like the, the golden era of the Swiss cannabis time that was almost 20 years ago. They legalized for a few years also the TAC cultivation. It was around that time when breeder Steve or Mr. Nice and other breeders went to Switzerland to, to legally for a few years. The thing get out of control and, and then the Swiss government stopped it up. And now the, it was Switzerland uh, was quite straight for 20 years, and now with all the CBD scene, they they are in a new golden era uh, in Switzerland, but more with the CBD products. But at, at that time, they were growing uh, CBD, uh, sorry, TSC psychoactive strains, and one of the clones, Afghani clones, that they work uh, and grow a lot, it was the Herber, 
which was an Afghani that they used to grow indoors uh, in big indoor rooms for to sell in in the coffee shop in the Swiss coffee shops at that time, and it was a quite popular uh, Afghani strain in in Switzerland like 20 years ago. Also, uh, in uh, at that time the, uh, in Switzerland there was also a, a, a local seed bank. It was all all seeds. Uh, the breeder was Felix, and and he used to grow outdoors in Switzerland. He was a Swiss outdoor grower. And, and he got an, a, a purple Swiss outdoor line from some old ladies. He said that it was the Purpuria Ticinensis, okay, because it was grown in Ticino. It, it was purple, so, so it was called Purpuria Ticinensis. It was a very, it was more sativa, hempy uh, strain. Uh, the, the origins of the Purpuria Ticinensis are not clear. Some people say it could be an Himalayan strain. It's not clear, but it was already a, an outdoor strain that was very adapted to Swiss uh, uh, climate. And it was very purple, very early flowering, very resistant. So the indoor uh, erper, uh, sorry, was crossed with purpuria tithinensis, okay? Uh, and then it, it came out the airport, okay? Uh, uh, when the airport came out, uh, the, the golden era of the Swiss TAC times uh, end up um, and some Danish breeders like Esben and, Nos and Nospe uh, work the, their poor genetics one, two, three generations there in, their, in Denmark. And in Esben, which is a friend of mine, is a great uh, breeder, a very kind person. Uh, uh, I encourage our audience to discover more about his seed bank. He is hybrids from hell. I don't know if you know about it. He's specialized in, in breeding northern lines for, yeah, for cold northern climates. And he has many interesting semi-autoflowing strains that finish very well in, in Denmark, in northern Europe countries. And, and he passed me the airport after work with the strain outdoor two or three generation in 2000. I, I grabbed I the strain from him in 2006. But he gave me the seeds to start to work with them in a more serious way in 2012. Um, in 2012, we uh, we start to work the strain indoors, outdoors. We saw some maphrodite tendencies when we brought the line indoors. Is what I told you with the land race. It's very typical when you take a, an outdoor line that have been worked and selected many generations outdoors. When you bring it indoors, it's very typical that. The, the some some parental plants give some some hermaphrodite problems. Okay, um, so we work the strain indoors a bit to try to adapt the the genetics indoors to to remove this hermaphroditism indoors mainly. Um, and and yes, uh, one thing that was never done with airport, airport was already a very consistent line for earliness for cold resistant. Um, um, for very beautiful colors, okay? The, the airport has like two main phenoms. The airbird was a green Afghani and the purpuria ticinensis was a very colorful plant. So the mix between the green airbird Afghani and the purpuria ticinensis produced like a blend of colors. Uh, some leaning to the green airport, so more green in color, and others leaning to the very colorful, to the purpuria ticinensis with purple, red, black colors, and some types also in between. 
Um, and, and yes, uh, the qualities of this line for earliness, for cold resistant, uh, they, they were clear and the taste is quite nice, like the, the colorful have a berry taste, the green Afghani uh, phenotypes have a more earthy, hassy uh, uh, taste, Afghani taste, very classic Afghani taste. And these are the terpenes that you can find in the line. But being an Afghani line, uh, you know, Afghani line don't really, they, they could, could be problematic with the bad rot uh, in late flowering. But you know, because in Afghanistan, uh, it's a very dry climate. So all the genetics from there are very used to, to flower with very dry conditions, with very strong temp variation, but with low moisture. That's why a lot of the indica Afghani genetics uh, are very... Uh, susceptible uh, or are very prone to to bad rot, to botrytis outdoor. Okay, and that was the case also with airport because it contains a heavy strong of Afghani genetics, both in Denmark, that is uh, a, a wet country, and here in my coastal climate, although my, my climate here in Spain is very warm, but I have a lot of moisture because I live very close to the coast. So yes, we we found the airport a, a bit problematic with the with the bad rot. Um, um, since 2012, we worked like maybe until now, we have worked like maybe four generation indoors and three generation outdoor in regular and feminized format. And through all these generations, we brought samples to the lab, and then we identified uh, no one did before that the airport uh, also have uh, CBD content, like it's very typical from Afghani Hasplan land risk population. This is a topic that we can discuss later. Uh, no one knew this before, that airport, whether it was a TAC-rich strain, uh, it was clearly psychoactive, so it had TAC. But we, with our uh, evaluation, uh, work, and study at the lab, we confirm scientifically that airport was uh, also a CBD-rich strain. Most of the phenotypes are uh, a one-to-one TAC-CBD chemotype uh, balance, usually with 7-8 TAC to 7-8 to CBD, <clears throat> so quite balanced. It gets you high, it's not the most strong indica, but it's not uh, no psychoactive, it gets you quite, quite high. And, and yes, uh, there are some, we found some very rare phenotypes that only have CBD, very little THC, but more or less it's like a balanced THC-CBD strain, very early flowering. The, the good thing of, of, of the airport is that it has the semi-autoflowering semi trait from the purpurea tithinensis. What does semi-autoflowering mean? It's a, uh, a concept that is a bit confusing for, for many. It's semi-autoflowering because it's not fully autoflowering. It means that you can keep clones in the mother room. You can keep them for long term. You can even try to revive the plants. This is completely impossible with fully autoflowering genetics. Okay, but uh, hormonally they tend to flower at the uh, any time. For example, when they feel rot bound, they they try to to flower. When they feel that there's 
just a slight decrease of photoperiod odors, they try to, to flower. And so they have a very early flowering, flow, uh, a very early flow, uh, flowering onset outdoor. When you, when most of the Afghan indoor strain start to flower in maybe in August in my latitude to finish in early October, here, uh, the airport maybe start in July and finish in late August, early September. Okay, the flowering is 45, 50 days, but it, it can start to flower one to one month and a half ahead and other. Uh, Afghani strains that are not semi to flow it. So this is an advantage for cold, for cold and, and yeah, and for an early harvest. And this is more or less the quality and the, the history of the airport. We have made some hybrids with them, some with THC, some with CBD. And yes, it's a very interesting plant in, by itself for medical because it has both THC and CBD. It has a very relaxing, high and um, Good for pain, good for for muscles, for insomnia, and, uh, and yes, and it's also a very useful plant for breathing, for earliness, and for interesting chemotypes. Yeah. Wow, what a brilliant answer! Thank you so very much. Speaking of CBD, you also mentioned CBD one, and I noticed you had made that more recently. What inspired you to make that? And do you want to do more CBD lines in the future? Well, the, the CBD is honestly a, a very interesting field. It's, as you well know, the, we have had 10 years or more like uh, the CBD revolution, like uh, people realizing of the medical benefit of CBD. And there's now a complete uh, boom in the industry for for CBD products in a, a total range of products, whether it's a genetic seeds, uh, extraction, flower, edibles, uh, for medicine in, in the national health systems, everywhere. So yes, uh, when we st I start with this, I'm going, not going to lie to you, I was more interested to get high on the rec recreational side of the, of the cannabis, like many people, but yes, um, Obviously, I understand that not all the people uh, approach to cannabis from the recreational side, and some people really need it as a medicine. Uh, I also was started to last years like a bit of anxiety uh, myself. So yes, uh, I felt like it was also a good moment to to focus more on, on breathing with CBD, also for myself, but also for others. Um, and yeah, I, I saw that at least here in Europe, in 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 United States, the thing is much more advanced because with the legalization and all the resources and the qualified people they, they have there, they have a lot. They have advanced a lot in in the hemp breeding and to develop hemp lines with CBD that are very very interesting. They have they have done and they are doing an amazing job there in in United States, but here in Europe. The, the pioneers of the movement to to put in that way that, that were uh, Jaime from resin seeds here in Spain yeah curiously the the main lines the main CBD lines uh, that came out uh, to the scene to the CBD game and the CBD breeding that were more useful and, and more appreciated by growers came from Spain. Uh, uh, it was from Jaime from Resin Seeds, which was the 
the, the first to identify in a, in a, in a DSL hybrid uh, CBD, and then he called it, they call it canatonic. It, it won a, a cannabis cup here in Spain, and then it got a lot of re reputation after won the cup and after being analyzed for CBD. And then the, the origins of, of the canatonic were, were not clear. And finally, uh, we, we knew that it came from another Spanish seed bank called Regesids, that they, they were also working with many uh, the, uh, DSL hybrids, enriched CBD DSL hybrids mainly. And these were the, the main source of, of the CBD rich strains that later make the boom in Europe and later were brought to United States. They were very interesting because they taste like and look like the best DSL, okay? DSL, uh, and, but they, they, they contain a lot of CBD, okay? Uh, so with this moment, the, uh, Jaime created the resin seeds, offering some CBD strains. And then uh, Jaime from Resin Seeds, I, I think, joined with Scott Blake from Santibaba from Mr. Nice to make CBD crew. And I think CBD crew were giving uh, breathing ser uh, CBD breathing services to, to many other companies in Europe, like uh, Serious Seeds, uh, Dutch Passion, uh, many others. So, yeah, eventually many CBD strains came out from all, all the seed banks, but all these strains uh, uh, didn't have the, the chemotype stabilized. They were very irregular in chemotype. So, when these seed banks were offering CBD strains, but the chemotype was not stabilized, and they said, yes, yeah, you could have 50% of balanced chemotype for TSC CBD, 25% only CBD, and 25% TSC with TSC and no CBD. I said, well, this is from the medical point of view is crazy because the, the, the grower don't know what's the chemotype on his plants and he, he or she cannot tolerate well the TSC and, and he or she got a TSC plant from so-called CBD seeds. Is is not a good job. So yeah, uh, at that moment, the people were releasing CBD strains like non-stop. Uh, and then I had a friend that used to work for Jaime many many years ago, and he got some Canatonic S1 seeds from the original clone from Canatonic. He got sulfate seeds of, of that clone. He, uh, my friend got the seeds for for many years, and he told me, "Duby." These seeds are getting old. Do you want to do something with them? I say, okay, germinate some. Uh, we will check it out. Um, and 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 then we. He he phoned me and, and he told me, hey Luis, I think I have some interesting things from these plants. I was about to take a flight to take holidays. So I say, okay, you just keep the clones, and when I come back from holidays, we, we check it out. Yeah, I came from holidays. We we check out the plants and brought all the samples of all the plants to the lab. And then we realized scientifically that the canatonic original clone that was, it had a, a balanced chemotype. It was, uh, yeah, uh, I cannot remember, maybe 8 to 10 THC, 8 to 10 CBD, it was like this. 
Uh, when, when you self-feed and you grow the S1 seeds, okay, uh, we, we, we found out uh, uh, all the main chemotypes in the S1. And S1 seeds behave like an F2 for the chemotypes. In the S1 seeds, we found THC-rich plants, balanced THC-CBD plants like the original canatonic clone. And then we found, we found also only high CBD plants with very little THC. From one of them, we found one that was 27 CBD content, which is the, the plant that with a lab report, not that someone says that, no, I have a 30% CBD plant. Okay, so you saw my analysis. We did it. We have an analysis that proves that the canatonic S1 plant we selected, um, it contains 27% CBD and around one THC. Then we have another sister with a similar chemotype that was 17, 18 CBD and 0.7 uh, THC. Okay, the most interesting was the CBD one, the one I tell you that had 27% CBD, and the other was CBD5. Uh, and uh, it's it, it not very easy to say, okay, we, we already have found uh, from the canatonic population, the, the ones we want with the very high CBD and OTC chemotype, we just need to, to cross this, the, the plants from the canatonic S1 of, of the chemotype we want between each other to stabilize this chemotype. Okay, the, the, the plants sound quite easy. But uh, unfortunately, uh, they were infertile. This is a problem that sometimes you find in S1, uh, in S1 generation. S1 self-pollination is the highest form of inbreeding. There's, it's like uh, having kids only with yourself. There's not other higher form of inbreeding. You maybe could have kids with your sister. There would be a, a very high form of inbreeding, but it's even highest inbreeding to to only produce offspring with your genotype, without introducing any other genotype. This could, this one is a, a very interesting tool for fixing traits, for inbreeding, in a very strong way, but it can also lead to, to health problems like lack of vigor, uh, mutations, uh, and one of the problems that some of the S1 lines can show, not all of them, is infertility. In this case, was so. We try to pollinate CBD1 with, with CBD5 reversed. It didn't produce seeds. We try to pollinate uh, CBD5 with CBD1 reversed. It didn't work. So we, we, we had like a wall. We, we didn't know how to advance in, in the breeding. At that time, I say, okay, we, we, are, we have the airport, which is also a CBD rich line. It has nothing stabilized to be only CBD rich, the airport, but it's another CBD rich that is fertile and that we can try to introduce to the unfertile uh, canatonic S1 plants that we, we cannot reproduce. Unfortunately, it was still a bit inf infertile, but we managed to do a cross between the CBD one and the green airport, okay? And this F1 cross, we, it was the CBD cross airport. Uh, 
it, it had like 50% the, the balance uh, THC CBD chemotypes like airport and 50% only high CBD and low THC chemotypes like the CBD1, Canatonic S, S1, parental plant we, we selected. And, and the mix of the of terpenes and resins was amazing. The canatonin has very nice terpenes from from the soft diesel, very nice resins like skunk and all this. Blend with the airport, tiny hashi terpenes. The, it, it was very very nice hybrid. Only for terpenes, resins, baguette peel, it was great. So we want to focus only in the high CBD plants low TSC uh, from the CBD1 Airport Cross. We selected the, the ones I like most, the smoke, and at the lab have the highest CBD. We selected four females of the F1 hybrid. And then we we reverse again the, the CBD clone. It produced very, very, very little, and we managed to, to pollinate these four selected females of the F1. So produce some, somewhat like a back cross, okay? Uh, CBD1, Airport cross to CBD1, okay? Then we grew the this back cross, the seeds, and then we found that all the seeds had stabilized the chemotype. High CBD, low TSC. Now we did it, and it was not very difficult. Obviously, we, you need help from the lab, otherwise you are selecting numbers blindly. Uh, but if you have a lab and... Uh, Yes, the, the way to stabilize follows simple Mendelian ratios. You know, it's, it was the in the Canatonicus one, it is split in, in, in basic Mendelian ratios also. And when we did the F1 cross, we, we cut a bit the, the chemotypes, but also the, the frequencies were very Mendelian. Mendelian. Uh, and, and finally, we managed to stabilize. We, we brought to the lab, we, we confirmed that all the plants uh, were like, like we wanted. Then we selected again the, the four that we, I like more, the smoke, and that have slightly more CBD than her sisters. And then we inbreed each other. No, we didn't back cross again to the CBD one clone because we want to, to make a, a, a commercial reproduction, something, so, something that we can come out with a lot of seeds. Okay, and if we use again the, the CBD1 original plant, it will lead us to, to very small reproduction due to infertility, so it will be impossible to make a commercial re release. So we inbred the, the Bacrosser parental plants that I like the most, Reproduce between them, so in bread line, what is inbreeding through the line. There were some slight fertility problems, but we really managed to produce thousands and thousands of seeds and finally uh, release the line with the chemotype stabilized. So, summing up, it takes the best from Canatonic with a bit more of earliness from Airport. The chemotype, the best very chemotype of the Canatonic is stabilized. Uh, and this is the work we did that, that other seed companies know. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant story there, taking us through the whole creation process. That was fantastic. So, take me back to when you were younger. What was your first experience with cannabis? 
Yeah, it was like a, it's like a classic story like uh, any any person could have. I started smoking in uh, at the school uh, around 14 years old, and yeah, my my history is my story is quite normal. It's nothing, but it illustrates quite well how is the. Um, the, how we grew up, uh, the cannabis scene and the cannabis industry uh, in the last 25 years, because it was quite on hand. My, and so uh, here in Spain in the mid 90s, uh, we are very close to Morocco. Okay, uh, the south of Spain is just a few kilometers from north of Morocco, and uh, the plantations of Morocco of Morocco is is also in the north, not exactly down to Spain, but but it's very, very, very close to Morocco. And Morocco uh, has been since the 80s like the, the, the biggest hash producer in the world. So uh, the, the cannabis culture in Spain has been, uh, uh, until this new century, has been always been hash, Moroccan hash. Always, 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 always. Okay? So you get a bit of the picture. Because here the, the hash we, we had all kind of quality of Moroccan has very cheap, uh, very easy to access. And so, yes, for us, it, it was the, the cannabis culture in, in, in Spain, the, the, the Moroccan has. So, yes, I started smoking Moroccan has like most Spanish did in, in the 90s or before. And, yeah, I love the... The, the creative effect, the relaxing, and many, many friends love it. Also, the cannabis is countless, the, the great times and memories, great memories I have from the childhood and as a teenager around cannabis and with my close friends is it, countless. So it's, it's really a part of, of our life. And we, we grow up with it daily, daily. Uh, and many of my close friends are really passionate cannabis lovers. So it's, it's, it's really in our culture, you know, here and here in Spain, it has been always quite, quite tolerate to smoke cannabis. So, yes, yeah, the, the, the cannabis culture in Spain regarding regarding uh, cannabis and specifically has is very, very strong. Then, uh, yeah, during my youth and teenagers, uh, what, what was available was ma mainly hash. I had the good luck to experience in the good time of, of, of Moroccan hash all kind, all the good quality of hash. And around 96, 97, here in Spain, they start to appear the, the cannabis magazines and the first grow shops. And this was this was really the, the the revolution for the homegrown, okay? Because previously, people didn't 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 know how to grow the plants. They didn't know anything about genetics. The the hash was so cheap and so easy to access that people just buy hash and smoke hash cannabis in that form. So very people grew uh, and they grew very badly, they don't know when to harvest, they don't know what it was a female or a male. <laughs> it was a lot of myths, but there was not 
uh, good books, there was not internet, there were no good genetics. So yeah, the people was strictly has a few a few hippies maybe traveled to India, Nepal to buy some clothes, uh, bring here and they got some marijuana there, brought the seeds, grow here. Or some people here in Spain, we have a lot of contacts with the Latin American countries, in Mexico, Colombia, etc. So to, to get seed from Mexico, Colombia, it was quite common, get seed from Morocco also. So some hippies uh, grew some genetics that were from this place, mainly Mexican, Colombian, a bit of Moroccan, also some Indian, Nepal, mainly. They were sativas. It was what, and these genetics, they were grown very badly. They were reproduced with no criteria, uh, but they, they had very funny effects they, because they were sativas, um, and they, they had very, very funny effects, but with with around 96, 98, with the introduction of the, the magazines like Kanyamo, which is hemp in English, and, and the first grocer that they were selling, well, all the seeds, the lambs, the fertilizer, the books with with information about how to grow cannabis from books from the United States. Then, uh, and people start to travel to Holland to get seeds and, and, all, and all this. So the picture start, started to change. The, the has continued to be the main thing, but I, I uh, remember in my case, uh, I start to grow my first seeds that I grew were Nepalese, uh, Mexican, Colombian, and Moroccan, yeah, um, and and some Dutch Dutch genetics. The the first Dutch genetics I grew was in the '96 and was a Hawaiian skunk. Um, when I harvest, my friends were tripping. They they had never seen with with with, with such quality, completely organic. Uh, and we, we could harvest like half kilo. When you are 16 years old, this is so much money. And instead of buying in half with your parents' money and all this, then we said, well, we may need to start to, to grow. But obviously, at the, with 16 years, I was still living with, with my parents. My parents didn't tolerate it, but I was so passionate that the, they always allowed me to, to put some plants at home with many, <laughs> many discussions. But yes, I always had plants at home. Always, always had plants at home. Then uh, when I go to the university, I go to live alone with my friends. Um, then I already have a few goals on, on, on my shoulders. We grew in 96, 97, we grew like many good uh, Dutch strains. At that time, 96, 97, the, the Dutch seed bank were at the end of the, the best time, the golden era of the Dutch breeding that it ended up on around 96, 97, when the Dutch government uh, stopped the, the seed banks, they no longer can breed uh, legally. So after 96, 97, the seed banks, they still have a lot of good seeds because they produce before it was illegal. And this lasts until the new century, a few years later, maybe 2005, so during this year, we got very, very nice genetics, the very best genetics from Holland. And at the same time, we, we, we grew it with the land races we, we were collecting. So it was very interesting because in the early days, uh, me and my friends managed to, to realize the, uh, 
and we have very good climate here. We can grow almost all kind of tropical sativas and all kind of that strain. So we we, we have the chance the, to compare the super refined hybrid from the Sensi seeds uh, done by Neville that put a lot of work and a, a lot of a good job on them, and then co compare them with the land races, and then you see something so refined, so tame, the, the that genetics, and you see the the land race so raw, but with some very unique uh, traits, characteristics, you know. So, so we, how to say, we, we appreciate both. We since, since the start, we uh, we appreciated both the super refined hybrids from Holland uh, and the unique qualities that we were start to find in, in the land races. And this is how, how a bit how we started. And, and I said, and I asked to myself, uh, I will be able to, to breed something as good as the Dutch strains starting from land races. Uh, and that was a question that, that arose since the early moment. Um, and I said, well, if others did, I'm sure uh, I, I will be able to, to do it because at the end, all the super strainers we have today, the Kush, OG, Skank, they, they all came from land races. Obviously, they have been refined for so many generations that they, that they are now very distant from the land races, but everything started from the land races. So this gives me uh, another time the internet was not not so widespread, so it was not so easy to get information about land races. Uh, so I, I was interested in both in to know the very, very best. Uh, that time was in Holland because in the mid-90s in California they were starting to legalize, but Holland was still the main hub for genetics. Um, and yes, like, uh, and try to breed, how, uh, learn how to breed. Uh, and try to 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 come out uh, bring something really different and unique from land races that I could call my work, and that I hopefully is as good as the best that strain and American strains. That was my my expectation when I started, but but more with the, the willing to learn, not to achieve. You know, at that time was more like a hobby, more like a passion. There was not any business involved, not even. Uh, expectation to have a business about it. It was just patient, yeah. Fantastic. You know, an admirable goal to be trying to improve on sort of those early strains that really paved the way for the future. I guess I was wondering, was this sort of the moment when you thought, I would like to start Ace Seeds? And what was it like when you first started? What were some of the first projects you were working on? When I went to to continue a bit um, connecting with the, the previous question, when I went to study at the university, uh, uh, there was it was not a, a big city, and the main grow shop, uh, the the owner hired me to to attend the growers to 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 we were working on. On the grow shop, attending the growers. At that time, the, 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 this was the the biggest grow shop in the whole province. So all the growers, not only from the city but from the province, came to to the grow shop to ask about seeds, about genetics, about growing. 
So for me, it was like uh, I learned a lot. I learned a lot because, yeah, now there are many grow shops around uh, and it's no longer the same. But at that, at that time, all the growers from the province came to me. So, and I sell to them all the genetics and, and they grow, grow, grow it and came back to me with flowers, with clones. So I managed to to get the, the incredible clones, the best clones the, from the refined strain, like the best Jagerer, the best Skanks, uh, the best AK-47 Cali Mist, uh, from Magus Genetics, the Warlock, uh, from Homegrown Genetics, the, uh, everything. We, we got everything, the, the, the very best. And I learned a lot uh, because all the growers came to me I have to, to explain, uh, I learned a lot because at that time uh, the information in 2000 was very, very short. So after working there for a few years, uh, I, I learned a lot and, and I, get, I get a lot of genetics, I get a lot of contacts. And it was also the time that the internet started, okay? I re- uh, and, and, so, and there were some iconic uh, old forums at that time that were overgrow was the main one and cannabis world. Okay, the, uh, and at that very early times of the of this 21st century, the the worldwide cannabis community that, that was on internet, we 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 were posting and we were connecting in, in mainly in overgrow and also in cannabis world. So it was a very beautiful moment because it was the start of internet. It, it, it managed to connect many growers from all around the world that previously were all isolated one in, in North California, others in in Europe, others in, in Latin America, etc. And, and, and wow, that was like, like a wealth of information. It was incredible exchanging genetics, people from from countries where the land races were produced also started to connect to these forums, and we started to 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 exchange land genetics, and and from Spain, there were not many people interested in land races, the only a few, and it was mainly me, uh, Alex Mano Negra, we was a, a breeder from Canary Islands, in Spain, and then uh, Kaiki Charlie Garcia, with I, I know him as Kaiki from. Cannabiogen. Okay, and then uh, we all three met on the forums, and and we we really had the same the same passion for the land races. So we we were talking a few years, exchanging seeds. This maybe was around 2002. Then Alex Mano Negra came to live to my city from Canary Island with. His girl, his then girlfriend. Then I meet him in person. Uh, Kaiki was from Madrid. He had his company already there, Cannabiogen, which was the first Spanish seed bank, the first uh, Spanish seed bank that was established. Um, and we all meet in person. In and then the, the the first years were very very nice. We, we all had the same passion, we, differ, we had different characters. Uh, Kaiki and Alex were one generation older than me. 
there were around 50 plus uh, around that time. I was just in my 20 plus. I, I was very young. So there, there could be almost, almost, almost like my parents, you know. And I learned a lot from them because obviously they have much more experience with me in life and with plants. It was very enriching experience, both regarding cannabis and uh, friendship. And then we, we start to get in touch more in, in person, like in 2002. And then we start to work the idea to, to make here in Spain, like a seed bank working more with land race, with land races, because it was our main interest. Not many people were, were doing it. Here, the, the seed bank that were appearing were just interested in replicate the, the, the business model of the Dutch company and um, to copy their genetics, saying, okay, if White Widow, Jagerer, Black Domina are the best seller in, in Holland, then we take clones from, from, from them, we feminize, and, and we make a seed bank in Spain. That's how many seed, Spanish seed banks came out, Street Seeds, Dinafem, etc. Okay, but we wanted to make something different, like, yeah, like the, the, we, the, the plants from Holland were amazing, but we wanted to do something different and uh, from the scratch, from the land races, to understand with different traits, to, to come up with something different uh, and learn through the process. And, and yes, and around 2005, the, the idea of creating ACID was already more mature. We already have collaborators. Uh, Kaiki had a few friends collaborating for him. I had my friends. I had my, uh, other friends in, in, in the university. Uh, I study. Uh, Alex had his friends. But the, the core of ACEDS at uh, this early stage was Alex Manonegra, Kaiki from Cannabiogen, and me. Okay? That was the, the, the pillars, the three foundational person that created ACEDS. And then we came up with, with our first catalog in 2005. If we, if we can talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what were some of the first projects that you were looking to release as a company? We were already a, a few years in touch, so we had some hybrids already in progress. So when we came out with the, the first catalog in two. 2005, uh, there were f uh, five strains, okay, uh, all in regular seeds. At that time, uh, the, we didn't offer feminized seeds yet. The, the strains were, the first six are quite famous and are still available. Uh, it could be considered A-seeds classics. They are Bangi Haze, Congo, Nepal Jam, Orient Express, Panama, Antical, okay, uh, and then four more that were only available in very short supply in this first catalog. They were Renata, which was a Brazilian Cambodia haze, Pursativa hybrid, then Guerrilla, which was, which was a Nepalese Kanbandu cross Lesotho, Timanfaya haze, this was from uh, Alex Manonegra, which was a uh, Cape Verde, Mali, Nepales, Sativa. 
and canela, which was from Kaiki. It was a North Indian cross Jamaican. And this was our first ten strains. The, the first six uh, have been available for, for, for the last 16 years. Are Bangi Haze, Congo, Nepal Jam, Orient Express, Panamantic. I'm sure our audience are more fam familiarized with these ones. Yes, most certainly. I think almost every strain you just mentioned rings a bell, and I hope we can talk about them a little more. I just wanted to quickly ask you a lot of people were saying that uh, Charlie Garcia from Cannabiogen used to work with you at ACE, and I was wondering. What sort of projects did you do together? Was that the first release? And um, how come you guys decided to sort of end that collaboration? It, it was um, more about what each person could could offer to the project. You know, uh, Alex Mano Negra um, had a lot of experience with uh, uh, African sativas. Uh, he lived in Canary Islands, which is, it's, it belongs to Spain, but is. Uh, and islands that are quite far from Spain, uh, very close to the uh, African continent, is closer to Senegal than in, than to Spain, to, to say it in that way. Uh, and and he, is, uh, he had, there in Canary Island is subtropical, is, is like Hawaii, for example, so you can grow excellent sativas there, the soil is volcanic, the radiation is strong, the, the temperatures are warm the whole year. There's a still a bit of photo period, so it's even better than the, than Thailand or, or or Congo that there's no photo period at all. Is the whole year exactly the same? Uh, so he had a lot of experience with with Af with African land races, sativas. He grew I don't know the, one of his most famous works, the Angoles, Angoles Red, Liamba. Uh, he also uh, grew sativas from Senegal, from Mali, from Cape Verde, uh, Congolese, Mozambique. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he was the African expert. And, and Kaiki, uh, he was one of the founders. Kaiki is the, Charlie Garcia is the person that you, you comment. He was one of the founders of Cannabiogen. And Cannabiogen, with, when they came out, they already have like a few a few strains that were very 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 good so kaiki was not new on the game to to say in some way he has experience he already had lines the he has all the with cannabis they already released strains that were extremely good at that point so uh, each of us contribute with with what what we had at that time when i was starting I was working with the Nepalese and the Chinese and the Vietnam Black, so my contributions in the first catalog were uh, Orient Express, which is my first hybrid. It is Vietnam Black cross China Yunnan, and also to the Guerrilla Hybrid, which is uh, uh, Nepalese Kathmandu, the Nepalese Kathmandu I work with, with the Lesotho from Cannabiogen. And then the Guerrilla, it's also a, a hybrid I did, I did with a Brazilian Bahia sativa I had pollinated with Cambodia haze from Rifferman. And the other strains, yeah, for example, the Bangi haze, 
was a Congolese hybrid that came out from Alex Mano Negra. It was a, a, a very, uh, very energetic uh, sativa hybrid with Congolese genetics. But the problem is it was still a bit long, longer flowering and the effect, the effect was great, but it was unfertile, okay? And style is it was a colleague of, of Charlie Garcia of Kaiki, like a lot this clone from Mano Negra and and grew with. And at the end he managed to to poly, to pollinate with, with he, they told me it was a an Nepalese, and managed to get some seeds, and and with this they managed to uh, style uh, used to breed in in Galicia, which is the north of Spain is. A very rainy part is colder. It, 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 the weather is not very good, so he managed to adapt this uh, original long flowering Congolese hybrid to his colder climate. Okay, in a fast flowering sativa, he also adapted to end up growing it, making it smaller, faster flowering, nine ten weeks, um, but still capturing the high racing production and the very electric effect of the Congolese hybrid from Mano Negra. And he stabilized it, uh, changed a bit the, conf the concept of the plant, making it uh, faster flowering, more cold resistant, better, better adapt to indoor growing after sowing after three, four generations. And he came up with Bangi Haze. Uh, that's the name they give to, to the strain. Each one was free to, to name his, his strains in the, in the way they wanted. So, Yes, Bangi Haze started from a Congolese hybrid from Mano Negra. Then it was worked by Stai, a, a, a friend of, of Kaiki. And in, in years later, it was worked by, by Charlie Garcia. And since 2012 uh, until now, I worked the line myself. So yes, the history of the line, if I tell you, is a, a bit long. Um, we have contributed each in uh, different stages and at different moments, yes. Then we have the, the Congo. The Congo was, uh, uh, it came up, uh, Charlie Garcia had a, a Congolese sativa, not from Mano Negra, from another person, uh, and he crossed it with the, the chitral that Canabio Hem had. He made a Congolese-Pakistani-Chitral hybrid he worked until F2, F3 generation. And then to this uh, Congolese Paki F2, F3 hybrid, I cannot remember it was the F3 at this point. Uh, uh, Charlie Garcia introduced a new Congolese, a, a fast flowering Congolese from Alex Mano Negra, which is the, the Bangi Congo. It's a Congolese that, is, that has a shorter flowering time, okay? And um, so Cong Congo was originally a, a, a hybrid that was 75 Congolese and 25% Pakistani. Um, and yes, it was work mainly with genetics from Charlie Garcia and a bit from Mano Negra. Okay. Um, yes, it, it was very, very, very nice. Uh, it was not so electric like the, like the, um, Bangi Haze, it had a more warm, euphoric effect with a bit more of body due to the Pakistani, and the terpenes were more elaborated than Bangi Haze. Yeah, 
for both strains were mainly Congolese strain, but both are quite different to each other. Okay. And, and yeah, I, uh, later I, I never understand why my colleagues wanted to name Bangi Hayes like Hayes when <laughs> Bangi Hayes was not in Sensei or didn't contain Hayes at all. Or why they wanted to call Congo and not Congo-Pakistan when the hybrid was originally a Congo-Pakistan hybrid. But I was just a, a young man. It was not my strains, and everyone can name their strains. It's up to them. So if, uh, they came up with this name and, until today. <laughs> yeah, we had some people ask sort of about that, but that answers a lot of the questions. So that's great. I was wondering though, do you remember much about what the Nepalese was like in its pure form? Like, do you remember how it grew and what it smelled like or not really? The, the, the stabilization of Bangi Hayes was all done by Stai, the colleague of, of Charlie Garcia, I told you. What happened there, honestly, I asked a few times, um, they were not very, 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 very concrete, you know? It, it was not my strain. I was very young at that time. I didn't want to be... But, but yeah, no, the strain that, that came out was really something different. It was... It was something really unique, but yeah, to answer the question, I don't know exactly what Nepalese strain go into the Bangi case and how it went. Uh, this is a detail uh, escaped to my knowledge. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, that's fine. That's fine. I was hoping I could ask you a little bit about the different Thai strains you work with. I had noticed many of them looked really nice, and I was interested in how you would say the the Mao Thai is a little different to maybe some of the others. Yeah, the, the Thai strains, uh, well, as you know, the Thai is, for, for the sativa lovers, is one of the most important sativa land race of, of all times regarding quality. So when, when we started to investigate and uh, looking for high quality pure sativa land races from tropical origin, obviously the Thais were the ones that interest us the, the most in the, in, in the first place. And yes, uh, at the beginning, uh, we had like four to five Thais, uh, like the Thai Kochang, then we had the Meao Thai from Cannabiogen, that it was the one that was used used by Cannabiogen in Destroyer, the strain. Then uh, lately, in the last decade, I've been working with uh, another from from Chiang Mai. <clears throat> then uh, I used to grow another one that that it was terrible <laughs> in my early days. It was discarded very early on, and. Uh, Field that was called Thai 79, but I think it was a hybrid. This one came from a Australian grower called 20 Thai. I have the feeling that was a hybrid, although it was fantastic, but not really pure Thai. So yes, the the three ties that high quality ties that we have been working with A seeds have been mainly the the Kochan, the Mel Thai from Cannabiogen, and and lately more more the Thai Chiang Mai. You can see really a lot of similar similarities with, between them, and if you compare with 
other green Vietnamese or, or older Cambodian is what, what I call the green Sureast Asian sativa archetype. Okay? Uh, you can find in, in the lowlands of Laos, Thailand, uh, Vietnam, Cambodia, uh, a, a, a genotype of green Sureastasian sativa that is spread in, in, in all those in all these areas of these countries and they share a lot of similar traits. They are green, even with colder temps, they remain green. They have a long flowering time, usually four months or more. Uh, they have a rich TAC chemotype with zero or with very little or null CBD. The, the terpene profile is also very common in, in, in all the different strains that belong to, to this archetype. There are woody, spicy, sour, lime, lemony. Okay? And the effects are, are, yeah, are very cerebral, not body effects. Some are more nervous, like could be the meow type. Some are pure joy, super clean, uplifting, refreshing, uh, good energy, good vibe, like it, it was like the Kochang. And others are more in the middle, like, like the Tai Chan Mai. Um, yeah, these are the, the three that that I've been that we have been working more. We started first with the the meow tai from Canabiogen. Uh, 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 Charlie Garcia Kaiki gave us one a clone of a male that he had of the pure meow tai, and I and, and we at this have a lot of many crazy sativas. So in 2008. With the help of a, of a friend, of a colleague, we put the the pure meow tower male to pollinate all of our best sativas: the green haze, the purple haze, the taiko chan, uh, the pure angola, the pure thamal. Uh, it, it was crazy. We the pure Vietnamese, uh, Vietnam black. Uh, Many interesting sativas, and then the next the next year we came up with many interesting F1 Thai hybrids as limited edition that were green haze Thai, purple haze Thai, Vietnam black Thai, Duvel Thai that was Cochan cross to Meao Thai, Angola Thai and Thamal Thai I think were and Vietnamese cross Thai were given mostly as freebies. The Vietnam black Thai was also released. And yeah, it, it, they were extremely good. They were extremely good uh, sativa hybrids. And around 2015, I started to to grow some old Titan seeds I had. I like it. I like it a lot. And I made some hybrid um, with Cali China. It came probably one of it came out Taichi, which is probably one of the hybrids I feel most proud of. And it's Titan Micros, Cali China F4. It's amazing. And yeah, we, these are the, the type we have been working lately. 
and we and also similar plans like the green Vietnamese. Um, yeah, if, if if you go to to northern Laos, the the, the strains are different, are more purple strains. The effects are different. Uh, in if you go to to Philippines, the strains are slightly different. Also, if you go to Banda Aceh in North Sumatra, the, the very famous Aceh Gold is slightly different. Yeah, so I, I believe the, the green ties, the, what people uh, recognize more as tie is belongs to the green Sudestasian archetype I, I described just now. Yeah, brilliant. Again, just a really detailed answer. Thank you so much. One of our listeners wanted to ask the question, they're looking for a recommendation from you that's either a Thai or a Thai hybrid that's got that really sort of archetypal, soaring soaring nice Thai high, but something that's a little bit on the shorter flowering side if possible. What would you recommend? Oh, uh, yeah, we have uh, the Tai Chi. The, the the tai chi is amazing. The um, how to describe it is it, it has the the most exotic intense aromas from the Cali China. It's extremely intense, uh, exotic like liver, roasted meat, intense hash uh, with violet flowers, with tropical fruits, mangoes. Creamy, sweet and short, like chi- taste of a Chinese restaurant. It's super complete, the, the terpene profile of a good Cali China. And when crossed with the Tai Chi Mai, uh, the Cali China is my my best Chinese hybrid. It's a Chinese indica, very fast flowering. I added a bit of Cali mist to reinforce the, the intense aromas and a bit more sativa effect on Cali China. And I find the Cali China does wonders when crossed with with good sativas. Because the Cali China is not so it has the the very low incense that many people is looking in sativa strain or in haze strains, but in an indica strain, the high is very positive, not a stone, no intoxicating, no narcotic like is like our Afghani strains. Most of the people have tried to to cross to to lower down the, the and adapt the Thai genetics with Afghani. I think it's a complete failure because the psychoactivity they are completely opposite. They are completely opposite. You can come out with a very potent hybrid, but it will be a, a, a hybrid a, a hybrid of hybrid effect. Won't have a, a Thai effect. So the Thai Chamai for me, is my mm, best success on capturing the, the sativa qualities in a and enhance the exotic the exotic sativa side with the intense of the Cali China and the positive sativa side and warmness of the effect from the Cali China, and with all these qualities, making it easy to 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 flower indoors and in temperate latitudes. I think my most successful is is tai, tai, chi. tai chi. And another that people like a lot is Thai Cross Panama. 
This is also very, very nice. It's uh, the same Tai Chan Mai I use for Tai Chi, but in instead of crossing it with Kalichina F4, I cross it with my Panama Goddess Elite F10, which is the best Panama I have seen in, after 20 years working with Panama, 10 generation Panama. The tight cross Panama is, is also, you, you can find a lo, lot of tight qualities. The Panama enhances the, the lemony tie bouquet. So they match very well. The, the Panama helps with a lot of gel, but still keeping the 100% the sativa personality. Okay, no indica. These two are very, very nice for people that want to, to grow tight with the tight qualities and don't wait more than three months of flowering. Yeah, brilliant answer. While we're on the topic of Thai, I'll also quickly ask you, what were the different Thai mothers you used in the Golden Tiger Cross? Okay, okay. The, the first Golden Tiger, it came out with the, the, the Meow Thai hybrids I, I commented you in, in previous question. It was Malawi Cross Meow Thai, okay? And... Yes, it came out very well. That was the first version of, of Golden Tiger. And uh, the goal with that hybrid was to, yeah, to, to come up with something with the extreme potency of the Malawi, but make it a bit more up from, from the time, more energetic, more, more cerebral, because the, the Malawi has a body stone that is incredibly strong. And it came out very, very, very well. The one well, came out quite well, but I was not fully satisfied with the with the terpene profiles of the Malawi or the Golden Tiger first version, which was Malawi mother, Malawi old Malawi killer crossed with a male male. Okay, so after a few years, I was working with a double tie, which was a Kochan cross to Meautai, Okay, a pure tie. And then I selected a, a female that, that I like a lot. And I said, uh, I think the Golden Tiger can be a remake instead as Malawi Thai as Thai Malawi. And instead of including one Thai, including the, the two Thais of double Thai, because regarding pure Thai feel, our best job was double Thai, double Thai F1 generation. It's not something I've been able to replicate again. Uh, the Thai the male is no longer alive. And so, so, yes, I wanted to do something better with the Golden Tiger, making it more Thai, uh, improving the, the terpene profiles, and in, um, putting, um, putting, breathing double Thai into Golden Tiger, not, not just the male Thai. Okay? So... What I call Golden Tiger 2, 2.0 is Duval Thai, then uh, cross with Malawi Killer, okay? Then I, I have selected, uh, I selected different phenotypes, uh, one, one more Kochan, one more Meow Thai, one more Malawis. And, and lately I'm, I'm just using the the, the more Thai phenotypes I inbred between them to produce Golden Tiger. So it's basically 
du will die with all Malawi killer. What a powerhouse combo right there. The I'd, I'm definitely going to come back and we'll talk some more about some Malawi stuff, but I just wanted to finish on the ties by asking you, I noticed that you used to sell a strain called Thai Stick. Do you still sell that one? And was that one one we've already spoken about or a different tie? Yeah, this is a different type. And this was from Gypsy Nirvana. Do, do you know Gypsy Nirvana? Yeah. Uh, I think in 2008, he made a, a trip to Sudestasia and brought back to uh, three Sudestasian landries. It was the Laos Prabang, Taistic, and Camargo. And at that time, he, he had some problems with the law in Philippines and, and all that. So uh, I, I held them to, to his partners in UK, the one that had IC Max, C Boutique, and C Bay, to distribute through, through A Seeds the, the, the seeds that Gypsy Nirvana collected of these three strains. Uh, and the Thai Stick was one of them. To be honest, uh, I didn't find it as good as Ortiz. It was extremely long flowing, super ermy. I'm not saying it doesn't have potential, but I, I, I prefer the ties that, that we already had over the, the gypsy style. Yeah. Sure. So I've been wondering for a long time. What is Zamal like as a line itself? It's you, you don't get to Zamal, you don't get to try it pure. How would you describe the hive, the Zamal? <laughs> okay, well, the Zamal. The Zamal, uh, it was thanks, indeed, thanks to Gypsy Nirvana that, that he introduced the Zamal to to the cannabis community because around 2000, it was a strain that it was only known in Reunion Island by the French people living there. Uh, well, for our audience that don't know about Thamal, Thamal is a land, an African land race strain that comes from Reunion Island. Reunion Island is a French colony that is close to Mauritius Islands and Madagascar, okay, it's a very beautiful volcanic island, isolated, and and the local people, not the French, but the the the, the local indigenous African people from the island, uh, used to grow a very very strong um, trippy exotic sativas in in the most isolated parts of of, of the volcanoes in in Reunion Island. Uh, and that's the Thamalis. Uh, Reunion is subtropical. Uh, and the Thamal well, is one of the three pieces sativas in the world. Is I, I find it consistently more trippy than, for example, Thais or, or Colombians. That some, some sativa lo lovers consider it like the old Colombians and the old Thai, like the very, 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 very best. I have I have found thamals that are much more trippy than that. Yeah, and it was in our first early days. At that time, did, we didn't we didn't have much resources, uh, knowledge. 
but we did some early thermal hybrids and they were scary, trippy, like almost like the closest LS, uh, uh, psychedelic experience I have had with cannabis, similar to LSD or something like that, or something like that. It's, it's incredible. But there are also some thermal super strains. The most trippy ones are the, the booty ones that, that, that have the... The, the less pleasant terpene profiles, okay? Then you have the, 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 the colorful ones, which are very, very, very nervous, energetic, almost like cocaine, lot of coffee type of high, okay? And then you have the mango carrot, which is the fruity mango. But this, this is the one I use for thermaldelica. Is, this is it's very cerebral, but, but it has a more ki uh, kind and warm effect than the, the others that are super trippy or too nervous or whatever. The mango carrot has the most refined terpenes, and the kinder and, and best focused, uh, not, not so trippy, not so aggressive effect. <laughs> Still... Are you ever going to release the really nervous one? Like, I want to smoke some weed that makes me scared. <laughs> yes, the, the, the scary type is the, the purple thamal. This is what uh, we call the purple thamal. Um, we, we selected a purple thamal mother like five to six years ago, and it's really, really strong. And we have made a few hybrids with them in, uh, in the... We have a section on our website that is called Research and Development, and um, we list there uh, the latest hybrids we we have made that we, but, that we have not tested yet, that has not been officially released. But by looking at the re Research and Development section, you can take an idea of what we are working lately. And there you can find some purple thermal hybrids. We also released Thermal Bliss, which was Purple Thamal Cross Nepal Jam. It was a limited edition from two, three years ago. Yeah, I, I have released a few hybrids, but like a, a few Purple Thamal hybrids, but as limited editions or with little stock. I haven't done any big release with it yet. Yeah, but with the time will come. And um, very recently, also this year, we have released a Thamaldelica Breeders Pack. Uh, I've been doing... It includes five different thermal lines, and one of the lines is purple thermal crossed with thermaldelica, in which we include two different types of thermal in this purple thermal cross thermaldelica, in thermaldelica breeders pack. Yeah. So, yeah, we're working on it slowly, but doing things, yeah. That's exciting. I'm going to have to look into that. Just as a side question, I'm not sure if you're aware, but that, uh, just the term, the carrot pheno of the Zamadelica, it has like a cult following. I don't know if you're aware you created this, but uh, a lot of people in search of the carrot terps. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the carrot terps it, it can be found in in not only in in Thamal, but in other African Sativalan races. Uh, like for example, I found it in Mauritius. I found it a bit in Angoles, I found it uh, Congolese. Yes, but the, the most refined in the mango carrot in in, in the mother of Thamadelica. This 
this clone, do, do you know uh, Jared from Magus Genetics? I don't know him, but I've heard the name. Okay, he's, a very, he's already retired. He sold the company to, to Simon of, of Serious Seeds. But when he was still running his company, uh, Magus Genetics, Jared is, is a very, very kind person, and we met at the first or cannabis events, and we had very good relationship. He, ha he also received some of the original thermal seeds from Gypsy, but he was working, uh, Magus was working more Dutch strain, like Warlock, which was uh, Skunk Afghani, or, or, or others that had Northern Lights or White Widow. So he grew a bit of the thermal, but it was not his style. And knowing that I was uh, uh, quite a sativa man, he, he sent me the, the clones from Holland to Spain in, in Courier Company. Uh, the first two times, they arrived completely rotten. Oh, no. But at, the third, but at the third time, they make it, and, and I got uh, a very nice thermal clone that, that he selected also with the mango character pins. It maybe was not so trippy and strong like the ones we had, but the terpenes and the quality it was very good. It's the one I decided to use for Thamaldelica. Thamaldelica is this Thamal mango carrot that Jerry from Agogenetics gave me in clone form, and I pollinated with a Golden Tiger F1 hybrid, the Golden Tiger first version. So it's Thamal, Malawi, and Thai, Thamaldelica. Okay? Fantastic. So. I wanted to ask you if you could give us a little bit of the backstory on how you obtained your Malawi stock. It's very famous. The Malawi is probably our, our most famous strain of, of the last decade, yeah? It's quite mysterious strain because when I was uh, studying uh, at that city uh, at the university, uh, it was a small town, so more or less the... Uh, we, I have a lot of friends, uh, and we have a cycle where we sell a lot of clones, okay? At that time, uh, we received, uh, one grower had a clone of, of, of Malawi that he said that it was incredibly powerful, this and that. So okay. Then he gave to us and some friends that were collaborating with me at ACS at, at that time. And my one of them was a very, very, very good indoor grower, and he grew the Malawi indoors, and we could, couldn't believe what it was. It was so sticky that you, you cannot... Uh, uh, I, like the, I don't like the greenness. I always do it by hand, so I can touch the resins to be in contact with the plant. With Malawi, it was impossible. It was like the, the hand completely black, the, uh, pieces of of bud stick to your fingers. <laughs> it was incredible. And then, then you made a joint. <laughs> you smoke like yeah, oh yeah. I have high tolerance. I, I can smoke a lot. And the people smoke half joint. You can you see his face. And I have so many stories of strong smokers with Malawi. Like I could I could be hours talking about them, but it's completely devastating. Is like maybe eight, 12 hours high, you, you go to sleep, you, you wake up still high, like you cannot drive, uh, you, you, you cannot move, you, you, you have a panic attack and you want to go to the, 
to the hospital. You fall asleep and you didn't know what happened. Things like that. Very extreme methods. Very extreme. And then it was the the old what I call the old Malawi killer clone. It was that it was that clone. And then uh, I asked, where, where this clone came out? It's from Antonio. He's a crazy grower that now is living in Japan. <laughs> and he was crazy with the Africans and this and that. And, and the Malawi from Antonio was for us like, then we, we grow it, we brought it to, and all the people that trade say, what the fuck is this? I haven't tried anything so strong in my life. <laughs> This was the, the consensus from many. It, it, it was, the, the terpenes is very rude. It was earthy, dusty, woody terpenes, oily. It's not, nothing refined, not fruity, nothing. It, it's very, very rude in terpenes, but if it was so strong, so long lasting, so profound, that we have never, only a few times in my life I have seen something like this. And, and then it gained a lot of popularity, the Malawi clone. A few, uh, then I start breeding with, with it, with, then coming up with Golden Tiger, with Amaldelica. Then I, I release in, when we released the, the Malawi? 2012. In 2012, because we, we were growing this, this clone since 2000. For, so for 10 years, we only grow it, uh, but not much into breeding. But uh, I, 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 I decided that Malawi would be a, a really, really interesting line to, to add to the seeds catalog. So around 2012, with the last original seeds I, uh, I had from that were siblings of the clone, of the old Malawi killer clone. I reproduce them. I, I get to know other females, siblings of the old Malawi killer that were not so strong, but I found carroty types in Malawi. Okay, that is like, uh, like what I call the fruity Malawi. If you go to the Malawi breeder packs, it's the only Malawi line that have good terpenes, say, in some way. Okay, and then I reproduced the, the Malawi, and it was released in regular seas in 2012. Later it came the, the, the feminized version, and it was around 2014, two years later, in the P3 generation, the, the, the grandsons, and grand uh, and granddaughters of the old Malawi killer. When I found the new Malawi killer, which is the the second most important plant uh, in my Malawi breeding, okay. And with these two, the I found also in the P3 generation uh, the, uh, another fruity Malawi that remind me a lot of the fruity types I found in the P1s that I couldn't preserve at that time and a colorful Malawi in the second generation. That was the, the purple Malawi. The, the ones that, only, that were killer for FX was the old Malawi killer and the new Malawi killer. Okay. The fruity was nice, but just for terpenes. 
and and the purple was nice but for colors. The the winners for potency and gel were the old killer and the new killer. And then I start to 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 breed the new killer into the old killer to make the the latest feminized versions. So so I make sure that I combine my strongest Malawi killer phenotypes in a single femme line. Uh, so the, the growers can buy a three, five femme pack and, and will get killer phenotypes that are outstanding just by germinating one, two, three seeds. Malawi, a few years later, the Antonio, the, the source of the genetics, came back to Spain from Japan he, he lost all during these years in Japan all his genetic library and was very happy that, that I still preserve his Malawian clone form and that I have been working the line to keep the, the line healthy, not, not only as a clone, but also as a seed line. I give back to him the clones and the seeds so he can work again. And unfortunately, he passed away two years later of a heart, a heart attack. That's unfortunate to hear. With the Malawi, it has been one of our flagships, the or most important strain in the last decade, and I have created many, many good Malawi hybrids, many, many like Malawi PCK, Malawi is Malawi Pakistan, Malawi Cross Panama is excellent, um, Golden Tiger of Amaldelica are very popular, they are, they are very good. Uh, I, I have many, 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 many Malawi hybrids. <laughs> And they are very good. Yeah, with my goal with the Malawi hybrids was keep the potency of the Malawi hybrids of the Malawi, sorry, of the Malawi killer, but try to improve the terpene profile of the Malawi. For example, with the Pakistani that works great for that. The Panama is also very terpy. Uh, yes. Awesome. So one of the listeners was wondering. What is the strongest land race you sell? And it sounds to me like maybe that old Malawi cross new Malawi might be that. But just for clarity, what is the strongest land race you sell? Malawi. <laughs> Malawi, yeah. yeah. So another one of our listeners was wondering, how rare is the purple Malawi phenotype? <laughs> very, very, very rare. It was very rare. Um... Honestly, I, I I only found it in the in the second generation. Uh, I never saw it again. I never saw it again. And I I selected one, and I pollinated with the purple Pakistan chitral, and then I created Violeta, which is a, a yeah a, like a improved uh, purple Pakistan version, where the Malawi improves. The, the vigor, the yield, the potency, but keeping all the consistently the colors and the terpene profiles of the purple Pakistan. So I noticed that some of your crosses are regular and some are feminized, and it made me wonder what sort of traits or outcomes from a cross make you think it's better suited for feminized versus regular? Uh, we are only the one of the few seed banks that that still offer regular and femmes. Uh, I think the people is 
two extremists. Uh, you have one side of, of the big sellers in banks that they say, no, to, to sell well must be only femme. And they are right, because mo what people mostly want is, is feminized. And then there's other extremists that say, no, no, true breathing, the real breathing is, all, is only regular with classic males and this and that. And uh, usually the, the reality or, or, or the, the interesting position is, is more in the middle, you know? You can breathe aligned in regular and in feminized. And more, moreover, these com complement each other. Okay, the problem, if, if for example, uh, some people that, that say only the regular breathing is the, is the right thing, no scientific evidence saying that you cannot fully breathe, fully breathe, doing it only feminize, okay? And when you are breathing in that regular way, you are including males, obviously. And when you are breathing only with feminize, only female plants are involved. It means that although you are in uh, breathing for in, in the same strain and even with similar parental plants. There are different examples that will create different lines, you know, even when breathing, let's put an example, Calichina uh, uh, regular and Calichina femme, Calichina regular and Calichina femme. Okay, you can continue with, with the Calichina the regular, and maybe you find some traits in the regular, and you continue with the feminized, and you are more successful enhancing and fixing other traits in the feminize. Then you can take a male from the regular line and pollinate the females or the feminine or the feminine or the female line, you know? Um, and you can combine the, the success you have made in, in, in one of the branches of the feminized breeding, you, you, you can combine with your success on the regular lines. So they complement each other. You, we, 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 want, we don't need to be so extremist or black and white. So people say, no, 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 only regular seeds is the only good breeding because otherwise they become hermaphrodite. That is not true. There's no scientific evidence that if you breathe with feminized breathing, the lines be became hermy. This is if you breathe using hermy parental plants. But if you breathe regular classic breathing with, ma with female and males, and you don't select well your males and your females, you will breed regular lines that are hermaphrodite too. So the, if a line is hermaphrodite, it doesn't depend whether it's regular or feminized. It depends on the work and the on the genetics and the work and selection of the, of the breeder. Quality, quality is the same. You can breed excellent, mediocre, and nasty regular lines. The same for the feminized lines. You can breathe excellent quality feminized lines, normals, and terrible. People mix things, and they take absolutes like it was a fact, and it's not. I tell you from my breathing experience, first-hand experience, that you can fully breathe a line through feminized breathing and only with females. You can do it also with a regular, and if you do it both sides, you will have more success, more expression, more genetic variability, more lines of the family.
In mid-long term, it's more successful for breathing than if you only do one regular or only S1, or only back crossing to one, 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 or only selfie, selfie. That's where the problem creates. But if you inbreed with different parental lines in each inbreeding step, it creates different lines, regular, feminized. You combine one with others. At the, uh, after three, four, five, six, seven generations, you create a very big family with many different branches. And you can combine the best parental plants from different branches in mid-long term to avoid inbreeding depre depression after many generations of inbreeding. Yeah, that's some awesome information there. I wanted to ask you, I see that you have been working with the A5 haze and the C5 haze. I've been lucky enough to have tried both of them and I really like the hive the C5, but I feel like most people say they prefer the A5. Which one do you prefer and what's your thoughts on the two? Also nice. I'm very glad you had the, the chance to, to smoke both. <laughs> yeah. I was just going to say, I was lucky. I, I got to try them when I was hanging out with Bodhi. Okay, okay. I think you you, you may know the the story the behind, but maybe we can comment about it to put a, a bit in context or, or audience. Yes, well, as you know, uh, Neville in the late 80s uh, made the first legal seed bank of the world in Holland called the Seed Bank. Moreover, he was a very, very talented breeder, and at that time he managed to to get excellent lines from some schoolmen to breed with him legally for the seed bank. He got the the haze and the skunk and durbans and Afghanic one from some schoolmen, and and he also liked to work a lot the, with with other. Indicate strains, the Northern Lights, and the Hasplan, and the G13. And the Maple Leafs from, from Wilson. These were basically the, the, the Indicas he liked most, and the Sativa that he liked most, the Hayes. And Neville was also the authorities. Credit where is due, and obviously, without Sam uh, Scanman, we won't have the, the scam revolution that happened in Holland or the Hayes revolution that happened worldwide. So, but it's true that Neville was the one that, through the seed bank, uh, make a spread and make the name of the Hayes really big and, and well-known worldwide with his, Hayes, with his Hayes hybrids. Surprisingly, Neville didn't have match haze plants from the original stock from some schoolman to choose from. He only had one super, he, I think he had the beef, uh, two, fem, two females, one that was a bit early flowering and he thought it was a cross and he avoided. One ultra long flowering uh, female that I think he called the beefy male that was so ultra long flowering, I think he was not used to and he avoided that plant. But I think he, he late, later, uh, uh, rejected of of that movement of kill that plant because probably there was fire in that plant. So he ended up having only two two males, the male A and the male C. 
Uh, as, as I told you, uh, when I was a kid, I smoked a lot of hybrids from Sensei from all the Neville work, because Sensei bought the seed bag from Neville, and many, and many seed banks were using the haze hybrids from Neville to, to develop their haze hybrids. So, yes, uh, I smoked the very best from Neville, in, even in Holland, the Hawaiian haze, the Mexican haze, the Yager, the Northern Lag haze, everything. And, and a few years back, uh, uh, Neville gave, developed some haze hybrids. The, the most famous is Northern Lag haze um, and Super Silver haze or Yager later. But he also had some other direct. F1 haze hybrid that are not so famous like the Northern Lag haze. It was the Hasplan haze, the G13 haze, and the well, the the, the Neville haze. We was Neville haze, and the and two Northern Lag haze. One one was Northern Lag five clone pollinated with the haze Mel A, and the other was Northern Lag. Five haze, no, sorry, Northern Life Five clone pollinated with haze male. Okay, uh, he also lost the, the male A very early on, so he never released commercially the Northern Life Five crossed with haze A. But this one is the one that that produced the low incense. The the very low incense that, that a lot of people in, in Holland uh, relates to. To the best haze, came from the day from the eight dad. Uh, the the seed dad for I have experience in 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 the, um, in the clones you comment that you also have a smoke, Jordi. I I think is more a tie like. The the terpenes are more lime lemony, and the effect is more uplifting. Crossed with Northern Light is still quite dirty to my <laughs> to my taste, but it's correct. The the from the uh, a Neville gave to to some growers in the south of Holland uh, some selected clones of his favorite haze hybrids. It was the A5 haze, the C5 haze, the mother of Yajeren and Super Silver haze, the one you smoke, the Hasplan haze. Has plant crossed with haze email, the Neville haze, which is A5 haze uh, crossed to haze email, and the G13, which was G13 crossed with haze A mel. And after smoking the, the plants from Holland, and now I, which I know, which are descendant from the haze A mel and the haze C, I can really appreciate the difference. The, the terpene signature of the C male, the terpene signature of the A male. The A male is curious, uh, people was confused. The A male is more intense, and, some, and the intense comes from the American sativa. So the A male is more Colombian, or maybe Colombian Mexican, but American sativa. The, the C male, although some schoolmen say that. Origin, original haze never had a tie that it was uh, all Colombian. It's indeed tie-like. I'm not saying the 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 haze is 
original hex cross with type, that could be, because in later generation of original hex, Sam Skumman also did some hex type hybrids, Indian hex hybrids. But I qualify the, the hex email and its offspring as type like no, no type dominant, because I don't have the, the, the proof that is type. But it's very tight, like interpinsan effect. That's true. And the good thing is that I, I was in touch with Yosami, who was part or was is part of the member of, of this group of people from South Holland that have been preserving the the Hayes hybrids from Neville for 30 years. Neville lost them when he left Holland. And um, they serve uh, many with us, and uh, we have been introducing. For me, it's like a, a dream come true, like to have the, the parental plants that Neville used to develop, the the super hybrid that changed my life and that had such an impact over me, uh, and to have them now in my library of genetics and to be able to combine with my sativa because I don't want to inbreed or try to replicate the header or something that hasn't been already done. I think with what, what I can contribute in this field is more like to cross uh, the haze hybrid, haze hybrid from Neville with my own different sativas and try to bring it to a more sativa direction and with different sativa genetics. So there you have it, my friends. What do you think? Do be dropping knowledge bombs. If you want to get some of the excellent genetics you've just heard about, head on over to Ace's website. Check it out. Grab some fem seeds today. Cali China hybrids sound like they're popping to me. But you know what? Sometimes you want to grow other stuff. If so, go check out our fantastic sponsor at Seeds Here Now. They have a wide variety of both modern and more land race type lines. Anything a seed addict could desire, they're going to be able to help you out. They've got all the top quality breeders and a guarantee on satisfaction at the end of the harvest, not just on germination. Why would you go anywhere else? They're my pick. Go check them out. Likewise, you need to stop on by our friends at Coppet Biological Systems with the largest range of predator mites and other natural enemies in the game. Be sure to check out their new Spidex Vital, a predator mite with the proof of predation color changing system where the Persimilis mites will change from white to red after they've eaten spider mites so you can be sure they're doing their job. And next up, who could forget our friends at Promix? They're here to help you get the best crop possible. Check out the ProMix Connect Mycorrhizal Inoculant to ensure that your crop is productive, resinous, dense, flavorful, all the things you want. We know mycorrhizal is important. The god Jeff Lowenfeld told us. What more do I need to say, guys? ProMix Connect. It's a fantastic product. Go check it out. Finally, the Patreon gang. You guys know it. I love you. 
You are the lifeblood of the show and you get access to episodes early as well as bonus unheard content. So if you want to be a part of the club, go check out www.patreon.com forward slash the podcast for early access, bonus content, giveaways and so much more. So there we have it guys. Thanks for hanging around till the end. Appreciate y'all as always. This is Heavy Days signing out from the Upside Down Library. We'll see you.